Blog Talk Radio. After the death of Solomon, God divided the kingdom of Israel into two houses. There were ten tribes in the northern kingdom known as the Lost Tribes of Israel. They were cast out into the world because of their great sin against God. However, God promised in the last days He would gather these Lost Tribes back to Israel before the return of our Lord. Unknowingly, some of the churches made up of these Lost Tribes known as the House of Ephraim. God is now calling them to prepare to come back home to the land He gave our fathers. The call to prepare has been sounded. And shalom. This is your host, Mark Reinbold, and this is the House of Ephraim show today. And we do have with us today, from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deckard. But first, a word from our announcers. And now, from Cradle of Hope are some important announcements for you. This month, from Cradle of Hope is a must-have gift offer, the transition of the church. God has transitioned the church since the days of the book of Acts. Don't miss out on this last and greatest move of God. Jesus Christ is returning for a church full of power and glory. This transition will bring the church forward. Send a gift of $25 or more. Call today and get free shipping if you ask for the transition of church gift offer. Call 618-262-2810 or go online at jewishprofit.com send a gift of $25 or more and ask for the transition of the church gift offer hey welcome back in this show is mark reinbolt got a couple announcements to make before we get going here with our great great show we have in store for you i just want to remind everyone that we do have a website www.jewishprofit.com that's www.jewishprofit.com and for all you uh new people out there maybe the first time that you've been on please check that website out you're going to find out who we are and you're going to get a hold of a lot of material that you've never seen before and you want to check that material out because you're going to start to learn the word of god and i'm telling you what what a great opportunity that is we also have a quarterly coming up here, and you can get more information about that by clicking on the itinerary button on the front page there in the upper left-hand corner and find out what the quarterly and where it's going to be. It's going to be over in Fairfield, Illinois, out to what we call lovingly the Corn Pat, and you can be a part of that and begin to learn the material straight throne room of God. And I'm telling you what, that is a great opportunity, folks. So grab a hold of this and begin to prepare and to plan and get yourself down here and find out for yourself what's going on, and you can be become part of this last day move of God, the House of Ephraim. And again, you can get all that information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. We also have fellowships available online. So, you know, if you're out there and you don't have a local fellowship or, or you want to begin to learn about the material and begin to plug in with the material, not only do we have this blog every day, but we also have fellowships available online. That's via Ustream.tv. And we have one on Friday night. I teach one myself Friday night. You can become part of that. There's also a Wednesday midweek service, and we teach only the Prophet's material so that you're assured of learning the right material at the right time. What an opportunity again that all is. So again, if you don't already have a fellowship in your area or you just are interested in learning more about what's going on, please consider joining up with that. And you can get more information just by emailing us at cradle at jewishprophet.com. That's cradle at jewishprophet.com. And just say, hey, I'd like to sign up for that Shabbat service that Mark was talking about. And certainly love to get you hooked up. If you want to do it just by the telephone, we can do that also. And you can give the off call 618 2810. Find out more about that also. Like I said earlier, we do have with from Mount Carmel, Illinois, Sister Donna Deck. Today we're going to minister on sunsets. 
sunsets. Now, I know that, that most of you have heard me talk about uh, that Prophet and I, we try every day. It doesn't happen every day, but the majority of the time, we try to stop and watch the sunset. One of the things that I have noticed, and it's not really rocket science, but the best sunsets are the ones that involve clouds because those clouds, they reflect that sunlight. And, and just depending on the angle of the sun and the, the amount of water in the clouds, there's, there's some spectacular colors. There's, there's deep purples. There's, there's violets and blues. And then there's awesome pinks. And, and all these pinks and purples that come out, and I'm always grabbing my camera and, and taking a picture. Every once in a while, we have a sunset, and there is no clouds in the sky. And that sun is so bright, you can't look at it. And to take a picture of it, you end up with streaks from the lens because it's, it's really hard on the camera to, to take a picture like that because it's so bright. But most beautiful sunsets, the ones that end up on the calendar, are the ones that involve clouds. Now, I was, um, I was training Jeremiah to drive. There's a gorgeous sunset. And I'm like looking at that sunset and I'm taking pictures as he's driving. And I'm thinking, that is such a wonderful sunset. And God gave me this message. And he began to minister to me that it takes clouds in our lives for the spectacular miracles and sunsets to happen. Now, we don't like clouds. We want sunshiny, cloudless days in our lives. We want days that we are hip-hollering and going, everything is perfect. But how many of you have a cloudless life? Not me. We have rainy days. We have gloomy days. We have days when it's storming and the lightning and the thunder's roaring in our lives. And we're just going, where is the sunshine? But it's there. It's just on the other side of the clouds. And we have to have faith that it's there, right? But those beautiful sunsets will happen in our lives. Now, Daniel, I want to look at Daniel's life. Now, Daniel was a, a young man, a young boy, and uh, he had been raised in, in Jerusalem, raised, and uh, uh, because of the sin of Israel, the city was besieged. And they were taken captive and taken to Babylon. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about when I was a young woman, a teenager, or, or just a, in my 20s, being taken out of my fa familiar family traditions and, and things like that would have been a little shaky, okay? They would have shook me up. I remember even when I got married, I was, I was 20 when I got married, and I remember getting homesick and crying. Daniel went through being pulled out of his familiar surroundings into captivity. But then something else happened. Daniel must have been a very smart man, a very intelligent young man, because he and three of his friends, they were taken not only into Babylon, but they were taken into the king's school for the magicians. 
and the wise men. And so there they are, away from their home, away from mommy and daddy, and they are in the king's court. They're in, they're in that school. Now, how many of you know that you raise your children and then you hope they do what you taught them, right? Well, Daniel's parents had raised him to eat kosher. They'd raised him to pray. They had raised him to, to keep the, the covenant. They raised him to keep the law. And here came the food cart. And oh, those pork chops. Just smell them. And the pork bacon and the pork sausage. And all this unkosher food that Daniel and his three friends went, we ain't eating that stuff. Why? Because they understood defilement. And they said, we don't want to be defiled. But now, wait a minute. They are in a foreign country. They are under the jurisdiction of a foreign king. And they are being told, you will eat this. Now, you know, ladies, how I've told you that you need to be submissive to your husbands. But if if you really think that something's, uh, he's not thought about something, that you need to present it in the correct way. Those boys understood that. And they didn't go... We ain't eating that. We'll starve to death before we eat that. Well, they may have lost their heads over that. But rather than that, Daniel went to the gentleman who was in charge, and he asked permission not to eat that. Now, I want us to turn to Daniel chapter 1, write down 1 through 20. I'm not going to read all that, but I'm going to start in verse 8. It says, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself. What does God look at? God looks at the heart. You see, even if Daniel would have been forced to eat that food, God would have looked in his heart and known what was in his heart. So he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested, underline requested, that did not say demand, he requested, of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. Now, God had brought Daniel into favor and tender love with the prince of the eunuchs. Now, what have we taught about to you about if you have a co-worker that's given you a problem or maybe even a boss? That seems to just always be graded at you and not want and and gives you a hard time. What do you do? You bind that up every day and you pray and ask God to give you favor with that person. Now this doesn't say that Daniel did that, but I have a feeling that Daniel probably did. But God gave him favor with that eunuch, and God and uh, so the in ten verse ten the prince of the eunuch said to Daniel, "I fear my lord the king." I bet he did. And he said, who has appointed your meat and your drink? For why should he see your faces worse likened to the children which are of your sort? Then shall you make me in danger of my head to the king. So this, the, this the, uh, prince of the eunuchs, he's like, look, I don't want to lose my head over you wanting to stay kosher. But then Daniel said to Melzar, whom the prince of the eunuchs had set over Daniel, Haniah, Michelle, and Asherah, prove thy servants. I beseech thee, ten days, let them give us pulse to eat and water to drink. And let our countenance be looked upon before thee and the countenance of the children that eat the portion of the king's meat as thou seest and deal with thy servants. 
So it was consented. They said, yes, you can do that. We'll let you do it for 10 days. And at the end, verse 15, at the end of the 10 days, their countenance appeared fairer and fatter in flesh than all the children that did eat the portion of the king's meat. Then Melzar took away the portion of their meat and the wine that they should drink and gave them pulse. As for these four children, God gave them knowledge and skill in all learning, say all, and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. You see, when we stand up for what we know we're supposed to do, God will reward us. He will reward us. You know why? Because he knows. He knew what it, he knew that, that what it took for Daniel and those boys to say, we don't want to eat what the king is serving. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm in a strange environment, I don't have the support of my family. If there is the danger that the person over me could take my head off, it's going to take some bravery, right? And especially if you're just a young child, a young man. you got your whole life ahead of you. Well, just eat it and then ask God to forgive you later. No, God, Daniel purposed in his heart that he was going to do this. And God rewarded him for doing it. God was sitting up there going, good boy. I'm proud of you boys. You stood up for what you believed. You did what you knew you had to do, even though the risk was great. So Daniel, Daniel had had what? He had had a spectacular sunset here. There was clouds, wasn't there? There was some storms happening, but it was a spectacular sunset that happened. Verse um, 18. Now at the end of the days that the king had said that he should bring them in, then the prince of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar. Now they're standing before the king. And the king communed with them, and among them all was found none like Daniel, Hananiah, Michelle, and Ezra. Therefore stood they before the king. Now, I may be absolutely butchering these boys' names, okay? And if I am, forgive me. And in all matter of wisdom and understanding that the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the musicians and astrologers that were in his realm. God blessed these boys, didn't he? He really blessed them. What an awesome, awesome miracle and sunset that they were experiencing. Well, the clouds of darkness will gather again. Now, think about your life. You know, you um, you decided that uh, you had heard of this this ministry with this prophet, and everybody's going, "There's no prophets today." But you, out of curiosity, out of out of something that was said to you, you show up at a, one of his meetings, and you're sitting here and you're listening to him, and you're going, "Wow!" Because something inside of you, your spirit jumps. You get ministered to. You receive a healing, but then you're about the prophet and you want to share that excitement and you go home and you go, I went to this meeting and there's this prophet of God and he prays and the angels came in and this and that and everything else. And you know what happened to you? Your family picks up five gallon buckets of ice cold water and goes, what is your problem? Straighten up. Get a hold of yourself. I think you need another bucket of water. And they throw cold water over your excitement explaining to you that the only prophets today are false prophets, and that really didn't happen. And what do you mean there were angels in the room? Well, he must have, woo, 
got you under a spell. This cold water will take you right out of that. And all of a sudden, you had clouds in your life, didn't you? You certainly did. And you had to do exactly what Daniel had to do. You had to purpose in your heart that you were either going to believe what you experienced at that service and what you believe happened inside of you, or you were going to succumb to the opposition of your family and friends that were more than convinced that you had fell off the deep end. And we've lost some because the pressure was too great and they didn't stand. But you guys are here. So I'm assuming that you stood up and purposed in your heart as Daniel did. But did that stop any more clouds to come in your life? No, no. That was only the first of many. But you know what happens? You get stronger and stronger and better able to cope. And then, of course, I stand up here and go, get the purpose of temptation. Why? Because I know they're coming and you need to know how to deal with them. So here's Daniel. Now, Daniel has been found to be 10 times smarter than any of the others in this school. That makes him what? Valedictorian? Him and his three buddies? So let's look in chapter 2 of Daniel. Mark down 1 through 30. I don't, I'm not going to read all 30 verses or we'd be here till noon. But the clouds of darkness are gathering in. There's a cold front coming. And the second year of the reign of Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar dreamed dreams wherewith his spirit was troubled and his sleep break from him. And then the king commanded and called the magicians and the astrologers, astrologers and the sorcerers and the Chaldeans for to show the king his dreams. So they came and stood before the king. And the king said to them, I have dreamed a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream. And then spake the Chaldeans to the king in, in Syriac, and, O king, live forever. Tell thy servants the dream, and we'll show you the interpretation. But the king answered, and he said to the Chaldeans, the thing is gone from me. Have you ever woke up and had a dream couldn't remember it, but yet it bothered you all day? That's what happened to the king. He says, I don't know the dream, but if you will make known to me the dream and the interpretation thereof, if you won't do it, you're going to be cut in pieces, and your house is going to be made dung." dunghill. Now, you know, as a kid, I didn't understand what a dunghill was, but they're going to make a garbage dump out of that their home. Their property will be the next landfill, except back then they had a lot of cattle, so they didn't have many, they didn't have many paper plates, diapers, but they had a lot of manure. So, the king has called in his wise men that have been through the school that Daniel's in, and he's telling them, okay, guys, I've had this dream. It's upset me. I need to know what it was, and I need to know the interpretation. And those guys were shaken in their boots. They're like, we can't tell you that. In fact, on down in the scriptures, they, they begin to tell him. They said, there's no flesh and blood that can tell you what you dreamed. Can't be done. And so the king gets angry. You see, these kings, some of them are just absolutely spoiled rot. He gets angry and he's decided, hey, not only am I going to kill you, but I'm going to kill all of them. Because they all went through that same school. And so they probably don't know any. They're not going to know any how to do this either. And so he says, just kill them all. You think the storm clouds have gathered for Daniel and the three buddies? Yep, they have, haven't they? Uh, go on down to verse 13. The decree went forth that the wise men should be slain, and they sought Daniel and his fellows to slay them. And Daniel answered the counsel and wisdom of Arinoch, the captain of the king's guard, which had gone forth to slay the wise men of Babylon. 
And he answered and said to Arioch, the king's captain, Why is the decree so hasty from the king? And then Arioch made the thing known to Daniel. And Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. Did Daniel have an idea? Daniel had faith. Daniel was stepping out on a limb. Have you ever heard the prophet say you got to step out on a limb? Now, if you climb a tree and you get out on the very edge of the tree, but you're still hugging the trunk, that's not too bad. The, the worst thing is looking down at how high you are. But then if you let go of the trunk of the tree and you go out a little farther and you go out a little farther, if you start to fall, there's still the chance that you can come back over here and hug the tree, right? But as you keep going out on that limb and farther and farther and farther, there's going to come a point where there's nothing but you and trusting God and you are out on a limb. Daniel went out on a limb and said, King, if you'll just give me a little time here, I will get you the interpretation. He had no idea whether God would give it to him or not. But you know what? As prophet said, real temptation is what? The opportunity to fail. Daniel figured, I'm going to die anyway. I might as well first see if God will come through for me. And so here he is standing out on a limb, far from the safety of hanging onto the trunk of that tree, saying, I'll get an interpretation for you, King. Now, you guys have read this story many times to your children, I'm sure, and heard it yourself. Daniel went to his house, verse 17, and he made the thing known to Hanian, Michelle, and Ezra, and I say his name wrong, I know, but his companions, we know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and I'm sure when we get to heaven, that's their Babylon names, and they're going to go, don't call us that, and we're going to go, but we don't know how to say those other names, but see, all the storybooks have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in them, I'm like, isn't that great, and so he went and he told them, and in 18 he said that they would desire that he asked them he said make that they would desire mercy of God of heaven concerning this secret that Daniel and his fellows would not perish with the rest of the wise men of Babylon then was the secret revealed to Daniel in a night vision so he had a vision while he was sleeping how many of us were even slept but he did sleep and God gave him the vision and Daniel blessed the God of heavens and he answered and said blessed be the name of God forever and ever for wisdom and might are his and he changes the times and the seasons he removes kings he sets kings up he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to them that no understanding. He revealeth deep secret things, and he knows what is in darkness, and the light dwelleth with him. I thank thee, and I praise thee, God, of my fathers, who has given me wisdom and might, has made known unto me now what we desired of thee. For thou hast now made known unto us the king's matter. Isn't that an awesome praise that Daniel gave the father? Daniel had a lot of wisdom about him, didn't he? He certainly did. So Daniel went through the right, he jumped the right hoops to get back in front of the king. And on down in verse 26, the king answered and said to Daniel, whose name was Belial-Elzar, Art thou able to make known to me the dream which I have seen and the interpretation thereof? Now, you've got to remember, the king's faith is down here. Nobody else could do it, so why would this snot-nosed kid from Jerusalem think he could? A Jew to begin with, an Israelite. And Daniel answered in the presence of the king and said, 
The secret which the king hath demanded cannot the wise men, the astrologers, and the magicians, and the soothsayers show unto the king? Yeah, he had to rub it in just a little bit. Couldn't they do it? But there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets and maketh known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. And Daniel began to explain them. Verse 30. But as for me, this secret is not revealed to me for any wisdom that I have more than any living, but for their sakes that shall make known the interpretation to the king that thou might know the thoughts of thy heart. So the storm clouds gathered. Daniel stood in faith, asked, said, hey, I'll get the interpretation for you, stood out on the limb of faith, and God came through. And it was an awesome sunset. Let's go on down, verse 46 through 49, Daniel 2. Then the king Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and worshipped Daniel and commanded that they should offer an obligation and sweet odors unto him. And the king answered unto Daniel and said, Of a truth it is that your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and the revealer of secrets, seeing that thou could reveal this secret. And then the king made Daniel a great man. He rewarded him and gave him many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole providence of Babylon and chief of the governor over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel got a promotion. And Daniel requested of the king, and he set Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego over the affairs of the providence of Babylon. But Daniel sat at the gate of the king. Now, I don't know about you, but if you have been involved in a workplace and you come in and you're the peon, you're the one that has to do the dirty work, and something happens and you suddenly find favor with the boss and he promotes you and you didn't go from this rung to this rung to this rung to this rung climbing that corporate ladder but rather the boss promoted you from peon right on up here to second in command do you know what happens within that workplace those other people that have been climbing that corporate ladder to get to the you were just awarded because of good behavior and wisdom, they are not happy with you. I share your, you trucked over their dreams, their am, and you just caused them to fall down one whole rung ladder, and they are not happy or pleased with you, and now they do, and they are not going to make life easy for you. The boss made wonderful that your feet walk on gold, but your co-workers, they say, uh-uh, that ain't gold. That's plain old brass. And we don't like you anymore. Anybody had that happen in their lives? I have. And they get very cruel because they aim to hurt you. Well, it was no difference here in the king's court. 
You see, Daniel got awarded, and he was over all those wise men who couldn't tell the dream to Nebuchadnezzar, and they weren't happy about it. So let's look over in Daniel 3, and again, the scripture is 1 through 23. I'm not going to read it all, but there is a storm front blowing in, and it is going to cause the temperature to drop 20 degrees, and there's going to be some tornadoes in there. That's tornadoes, okay? I know. I'm, I'm from southern Illinois. I married a redneck. That makes me kind of a redneck. Makes me a redneck, too. (laughs) Tornadoes are coming. Nebuchadnezzar, the king, made an image of gold. Now, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Didn't he say back in verse 47 of chapter 2 that your God is the God of gods? But you see, you're a product of your environment. You're a product of how you were raised. And Nebuchadnezzar didn't begin to worship God at that point, did he? No, he made himself an image of gold. And is that a no-no in God's book? Oh, yeah, big time. Whose height was three cubics and the breadth thereof six cubics. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the providence. Now, this baby was big. He wanted everybody to see it. I can't imagine it. The price gold is an ounce now, what that baby would be worth. Let's go on down. Uh, verse five, that at what time you hear the sound of the coronet, the flute, the harp, the sap, the and all kinds of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king has set up. Now he made this a decree. Verse six, and whoso falleth not down and worship shall the same hour be cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar has decided, you know what, guys? I've made this wonderful statue, and it's, it's an awesome replica of me. And you are going to worship that thing. And so we're going to play all kinds of music. We got, the, we got the royal orchestra out. And they are going to play, and you guys are going to bow down. And if you don't, the penalty is you're going to burn. Burn, baby, burn. You're going to burn. And so sure enough, they strike up the band, and everybody bows down and worships the golden image of Nebuchadnezzar. Verse 12, there are certain Jews whom thou hast set over the affairs of the providence of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded thee. They serve not thy gods, nor worship the golden image which you set up. Now, this was their co-workers that tattled on them. They're like, yes. We got them. And so they go and report it to the king. And the king gets angry. You see, the king, I am the king. And I have to have subjects that will obey me. And so he gets angry. And so they bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to him. And he looks at him and he said, look, maybe you did not understand. Let me explain this to you very, very plainly so you will know. When the music plays, you bow. If you don't bow, you you burn. Okay, now repeat after me. When the music plays, you bow. If you don't bow, you burn. Do you understand? Yes, yes, yes. Verse 17. If it be so, now this is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego talking. If it be so that our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of thy hand, O Lord. But 
if not, but if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods nor worship the golden image that you have set up. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they said, you know, we know God's able to deliver us. But you see, they also know that you cannot put God in a box. It might have been, for all they knew, that it was their time to go. And so they're like, you know what? God can deliver us. But if he doesn't, we want you to understand we have no intentions of changing gods. We serve the one true God. We are loyal to him. And we want nothing to do with your gods or your golden image. Do you think Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking out on that limb of faith about to hear? No. Those three boys walked way over. Over here because they were about to get thrown in a furnace of fire but they stood up for what they believed now Nebuchadnezzar verse 19 was full of fury I'm king and I have subjects ruling my country that are this disobedient to me he's upset a king would be and the form of his visage was changed against Shadrach Meshach and Abednego therefore he spake and commanded them that they should heat the furnace up twice as much is normal. Nope. Seven times hotter. Now, I don't know how you do that, but they evidently knew how. And so seven times hotter than what it was meant to be heated. I would imagine that if they'd left it that hot for any length of time, the furnace probably would have exploded or something. And then he commanded his most mighty men that were in his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Now, I think the next verse is very interesting. It says that these men were bound in their coats, in their hosen, their hats, and their garments, and they were cast in the burning, fiery furnace. So they had on all their clothes, and how many of you understand the clothes are very flammable? And so they were going to catch on fire probably very quickly. In fact, these mighty men that he had to bind them up, they died just throwing them in the furnace. Now, the king got a double strike here because he just lost his mightiest men out of his army, throwing these guys in. Verse, uh, let's go to uh, verse 24 through 30. That's a, that's, that's a pretty, pretty bad storm front coming in, isn't it? But we are about to have a breathtaking sunset, one that you're going to want to get your camera out and take a picture. Verse 24, then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astounded. He rose up in haste and he spake and he said to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? Wasn't there just three? There were three, right? There were three. And they're like, yeah, there was three. And he answered and said, lo, I see four men and they're loose. They're not bound anymore. And they're walking in the midst of the fire and they have no hurt. And my mighty men are dead out here. And the form of the fourth is like the son of God. Now, do you think that heathen knew what the son of God looked like? But he was a astonished those men were bound and now they're loose and they're walking around they're not hurt there's another fourth person in there that looks like the son of god we did throw only three in right and oh i'm i'm sorry to the family who lost that mighty warrior he was an awesome warrior he was he was my best and he's dead and those guys are walking around in there don't you think that king was confused i would have been how can that happen that thing's fired up seven times hotter isn't that a gorgeous sunset that's a beautiful sunset 
The princes, in verse 27, the princes and the governors and the captains and the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whom the bodies of fire had, or the, the fire had no power, nor was the hair of their heads singed. How many ever singed your hair on a charcoal? I have. Man, it stinks. Neither was their coat changed, nor the smell of fire passed on them. These boys were in that furnace. They come out and they don't even smell like smoke. There wasn't hair singed. God protected them. Awesome sunset. Beautiful sunset. But do you understand, had there not been the storm clouds, the sunset never would have happened? See, we want we want our lives to be hunky-dory all the time. We don't want the storms to come in our lives. But I'm sorry, girls. Storms come. They come. But they are opportunities for awesome sunsets. Miracles happen when the storms come in your life. Okay? 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar spake and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Haven't we heard this before? Who has sent his angels and delivered his servants that trusted in him, went out on a limb, and changed the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they might not serve nor worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that every people, nation, and tongue that speak anything of the god Adrach and Abednego to pieces made a dunghill because there is no other god that can deliver after this sort. And then <laughs> the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Now he He's made a decree. You are not going to speak against the God that these men serve. Well, life goes on in Babylon. And there is a price to be paid for hearing but continuing on in your sinful ways. Nebuchadnezzar has twice now seen awesome sunsets and miraculous things. He has declared that the God of these Israelite boys is the God, but he still refuses to serve the God of the Israelite boys. Uh, Daniel chapter 4, write down these references, verse 4 and 5, chapter 4, verse 8 and 9, chapter 4, verse 19 through 37. Starting in verse 4, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in my house and flourishing in my palace. And I saw a dream that made me afraid. And the thoughts on my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Verse 8, but at last Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belezar, according to the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. And before him I told the dream, saying, O Belezar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy God God is in thee, and no secret troubles you. Tell me the vision of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. He's like, do it again, Daniel. You did it once. Do it again. I know you can do it. Verse 19. Then Daniel, whose name was Belezar, he was astounded for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. Now, I can understand this. Because, you see, I have, I have been with the prophet when we are watching the news and our fine 
founding president of the USA stands up and says that we are now going to condone homosexuality as a nation. And I have watched as my husband sits there, goes out and prays. He was astounded. Daniel was astounded for the an hour. How could the USA get to the point that we have a leader who will go directly against God's word? Well, it didn't happen overnight, but it's happening. It's happening. And I learned right along with the rest of you that that was part of what triggered what we're hearing this weekend. Hallelujah. So Daniel is astounded for an hour and his thoughts trouble him. And the king spake and he said, Belezar, let not the dream or the interpretation of thereof trouble you. He don't have, he doesn't have a clue what the interpretation is. And Belezar answered and said, my Lord, the dream be to them that hate thee and the interpretation to thy enemies. Now, the dream and the interpretation. God sets up kingdoms. And he will tear them down. And the dream was letting the king know that God had set up his kingdom. He likened it into a tree. And the birds came and the the animals were safe underneath and there was protection. And it reached out worldwide at that time. But the tree was hewn down. But the root and the stump was saved. And he said, King, you are going to be brought down. You are going to, to crawl as an animal. And the dew is going to be on your back. And your hair is going to grow. The Bible says like feathers of an eagle. And your, your, your nails are going to grow like the claws. And for seven years, the kingdom is taken away from you. And you're going to be as an animal. No wonder he was astounded for an hour. You know why? He had to tell the king what the interpretation was. And he figured, hey, that'll boy ain't going to like what he hears. He's going to want to take my head off. But he didn't. Verse 28 is same upon he walked in the kingdom of Babylon. And in verse king spake and said, is not this great Babylon that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty? Me, I, 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 me, me, me. He was so self-conceited. He said all. And God said, uh-uh. And while the words were in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. God can take the kingdom away just like that. He can build it up and he can take it away. Doesn't that kind of sound like us here in the U.S.? We are so mighty and proudful and we think we can do anything, but God has taken it away. Aren't we glad that he's done it kind of slowly and stood all at once. Yeah. 33. The same hour was a thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men, and he did eat grass as oxen. His body was wet with the dew of heaven, till his hairs were grown like eagle's feathers, and his nails like the bird's claws. And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, lifted up my eyes to heaven, and my understanding returned to me, and I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored him that liveth forever. God knows what it's going to take, doesn't he? He definitely does. 37, I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and honor the king of heaven, all of whose works are truth and his ways judgments, and those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. 
So there is a penalty for, for being around and seeing the miraculous and not, and not re- responding. You see, Nebuchadnezzar twice said, your God is the God. But yet he continued on in his own prideful way. And God said, we're going to get that out of your life. It took seven years stripping the kingdom from him, but it happened. God took care of it, didn't he? Well, let's go on. Daniel 5, 18 through 31. King Nebuchadnezzar's son, Belazar, he is reigning now. And Daniel is about to get promoted again. The sun is shining. Oh, wouldn't you love to be Daniel today? Yep. So this Nebuchadnezzar's son. Now I want you to I want you to think about Nebuchadnezzar's son. Nebuchadnezzar's son was raised in the palace. Nebuchadnezzar was there. He may have been just a little tight when when all this happened the first few times. But don't you think possibly daddy came home and was talking about it? Yeah, he did. He did. He knew. But now he's in charge. Verse 22. And thou his son, O Belzar, has not humbled thy heart, though thou knowest all of this, but has lifted up thyself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessels of the house before thee. Now the vessels are what? The vessels that they took from the temple in Jerusalem, the holy vessels. And they brought them before thee, and thou and thy lords and thy wives and thy concubines, they have drunk wine in them, and thou hast praised the gods of silver and gold and brass and iron and wood and stone, which see not, nor hear, nor know, and the God in whose hand thy breath is, and whose art all thy ways, and thou hast not glorified. Uh-oh. Now, you remember the story, right? The hand came out, wrote the words on the wall, and nobody knew the interpretation. Well, one of them Jew boys knew, didn't they? He said, yeah. He said in verse uh, 26, this is the interpretation. Mani, God numbereth thy kingdom and finished it. To kill, thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting and pursues. And I'm not saying them right. Thy kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. Then commanded Belzar, and they clothed Daniel with scarlet. They put a chain of gold around his neck, and they made a proclamation concerning him that he should be the third ruler of the kingdom. And in that night, Belzar, the king of the Chaldeans, was slain, and Darius the Medan took the kingdom, being about threescore and two years old. Chapter 6, Daniel. Darius is king. Daniel had been promoted to third in the kingdom, but the king died. So you know what happens when when you change rulers, you know, you may become the best to the pauper. But look what happened. Verse 1. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes, which should rule over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents, to whom Daniel was the first. And the princes might give account unto them, and the king should have no damage. So Darius, he looked at Daniel and went, hey, you're the man. Daniel now has been preferred by three different kings. He has went through many sunsets, many storms, but he has stayed true to one thing, and what is that? His God. In verse 3, it says, Then Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king thought him to set him over the whole realm. Wow. An excellent 
excellent spirit. Isn't that what we all should strive for is an excellent spirit? Daniel 6, 4 through 9. Oh, no, there's a storm coming. Then residents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. Remember the rung of, of, of climbing the ladder? Beat them out again. Happy yet. They form a conspiracy. And they couldn't find any occasion or fault. He was faithful and neither was there any error or fault. You love someone to say that about you. You're doing. So then these men said, well, we shall not find any occasion if we find the law of his God. So they began to conspire. And they decided that Daniel prayed in such a regular basis that they knew that he prayed. And they said, you know what? We're going to talk to the king, have him to make a decree. And so they they appealed to the pride of the king. And they said, now, king, why don't you make this decree that says that for 30 days, not forever, just, just 30 days, everyone will not pray to any god except you. Pride comes before fall, right? And old Darius, he said, that sounds great to me. And so they made the proclamation. And he sealed it. Now, there was something about the Medes and the Persians that when something was made law, it could not go backwards. It could not be taken back. And so he sealed it, and immediately (laughs) they went to see what Daniel was going to do about this. Now, what do you think? Oh, me, I better not pray today, right? No, not Daniel. Verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went to his house. His windows being open in his chamber towards Jerusalem, he kneeled down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. He just went right on doing what he had always done. And the men assembled and found him praying and making supplication before his God. Oh, it's a storm, girls, but Daniel is not quivering. There is a sunset about to happen. Daniel six twelve through 23. They took Daniel before the king, and they said, King, we found this, this man, and he's not praying only to you. He's praying to his God. What should we do? And the king, verse 14 of uh, chapter 6, when the king heard these words, he was sore displeased with himself. You see, they appealed to his pride, and he didn't think about that. His um, top boy over there didn't pray to those gods. <laughs> he didn't think about that at the time. He was just thinking, hey, that sounds great. Have everybody just, just praying to me and making me God. And so it was decided that they would throw Daniel in the, the den of the lions. Now, Darius did not want to do this. And the, the other men who could form the conspiracy, they, they reminded him, once you seal that, you can't go back on it. And so guess what? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Now here's what the king had to say. Verse 16. The king commanded, and they brought Daniel and cast him into the lion's den. Now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, in whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Now the king stepped out on a limb. (laughs) He said, Come on, God, deliver this man. And the stone was brought and put over the, the hole of the lion's den. The king's seal was put on it so that it couldn't be opened. And in 18, the king went to his palace And he passed the night fasting. I bet he did. Neither were there instruments of music brought before him. And his sleep went from him. 
I would dare say the king had a miserable night. You see, that man Daniel was very valuable to his kingdom. And his stupidity, he succumbed to the conspiracy of these other men. And that was the whole plot. And the king could see through it now. And Daniel was down there. But he knew God could deliver him. He did before. He could do it. He could do it again. He had faith in God, Daniel's God. Verse 20, or actually 19, Then the king rose up early in the morning, and he went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said, O Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, whom thou servest continually, was he able to deliver you from the lions? Does anybody hear anything? And then Daniel, Daniel said unto the king, O king, live forever. The king was so thrilled to hear those words. Not that he said live forever, but that Daniel was alive. He said, my God sent the angel and has shut the lion's mouth and they have not hurt me. For as much as before him, innocency was found in in me and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. The king was exceedingly glad. I bet he was. And he commanded that they would take Daniel up out of the den. And Daniel was taken up out of the den and no manner of hurt was found upon him because he believed his God. What a spectacular sunset. But let me tell you something. Landing in that den in the midst of those lions was real. Daniel knew that he could have been ripped in shreds in a matter of minutes. I don't really think that would have been a very comfortable death. And Daniel knew that. Just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that going into the fire, they could have been burned up. And that wouldn't have been a fun death either. They knew God was able to deliver them. And they were believing God that he would. But you know, there was no guarantee that it wasn't the end for them. But they had faith in God. And they believed him. Did they quit serving God because things got hard and tough? No. They didn't. And Ephraim, we won't either. There are sunsets to happen in your lives. We are serving a mighty God, but afflictions and trials are going to happen. We have to change how we Oh me, oh my, what am I going to do? Somebody feel sorry for me. Why is this happening to me? I don't like storm, the lightning and the thunder hurts my ears. We need to think about the beautiful miracle that is lives. And God is more than able for it to happen. Psalms 34:19. Many are the afflictions. Psalms 34:19. Many, say many, are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Does that sound like that once you became an Ephraimite, you were not going to have any more troubles in your life? Nope, nope, it doesn't. Sunsets happen. You know what I've noticed? There's a sunset every night. Every 24 hours is a sunset. Some are spectacular. Some require me to get my camera out. Others are just ho-hum, but they're still beautiful and they're still sunsets. They are still the end of a day. And you know what else is wonderful? There's a sunrise the next morning and the joy of the Lord is going to be there. 
32, Psalms 32, 1, David had sunsets in his life. I'm not going to go into all of David's life, but if you remember David, David was a little shepherd boy taking care of daddy's sheep. He was the youngest of all of his brothers. He was probably spoiled rotten, probably teased the most, and he got the job of watching daddy's sheep. But the prophet came along and said, somebody in this family's going to be a king. And daddy lined up the boys, and he started with the oldest, because why? Well, the oldest was the one who inherited. I mean, the oldest was the prize, the firstborn. And so he started with the oldest one, and then he had the next one, and he lined them all up. And the prophet walked by, and I can just imagine as the prophet walks by, and those boys are like, it's me, it's me, shoot, it's me, it's me, shoot. And he walks by, and he gets down to the end, and there stands Daddy. And the prophet says, is this all your sons? And Daddy's like, well, no, uh, Junior down there, is, he's, he's down there watching the sheep. He's the youngest in the family. And the prophet says, go get him. We're not going to eat till you go get him. Now, I dare say that all those brothers were like going, it can't be that not David, not that snot-nosed, ready, rooty boy down there watching the sheep. Can't be him. And I dare say I wonder what it was like when they ran out to the pasture to go get him. Get your butt up there. Dad wants you and the prophets up there. And be on your best behavior. And comb your hair. Straighten your robe. Will you get those sandals on the right feet? You're going to be standing in front of the prophet of God. Now look like you know what you're doing. And sure enough, here he comes. And he gets anointed with oil and declared that he's the next king of Israel. I don't think David understood that. But do you know what? You would think that if you got anointed by the prophet and you were going to be the next king of Israel, your life would be hunky-dory, right? Didn't happen for David. David ended up for years being chased by the king of Israel who wanted to kill him. And he wanted to kill him D-E-A-D, dead. He couldn't live at home anymore. He had to go from here to there to here to there in hiding because the whole army of the king was after him. Now, doesn't that sound like God did him a favor? And he was just, oh, I get to be the king. No, many was the afflictions of the righteous. But in Psalms 32, 132.1, it says, The Lord remembered David and all of his afflictions. God didn't forget that he anointed him to be the king. What about Joseph? In Acts 7.10, it says, and delivered him out of all of his afflictions and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all of his house. Now, remember Joseph? Joseph was the firstborn and his mother was the favored wife. Remember they had more than one wife? was the favored wife and she was barren for years. But she finally, she finally had Joseph. His brothers, they were... Daddy favored him and gave him the coat of many colors. Do you know what Daddy gave him? Daddy gave him family. That's how he like that. Because I'm older than that little scrawny runt. I should have got it. And jealousy arose. And being a kid, he didn't know any better than to share them. And then he shared them, and then he got kind of cocky about it. You all bowed down to me. <laughs> 
even the sun and the moon, mom and dad, even dad bowed down to me. Did it happen? Yeah, it happened. But only after Joseph got sold into slavery, he, he was bought by Potiphar. He was, he was given a nice position until Potiphar's wife got to looking at him going, man, he looks good. Maybe I can coerce him into the bedroom. And when he refused, she lied about him. She lied about him. She told her husband that he tried to seduce her. And he ends up not just in any prison, he ends up in the, the king's prison. And then he interprets a couple of dreams. He tells the guys, remember me? Do they remember him? No. He's in there a long time. He's in there for years and years. And I'm sure he's thinking about those dreams that he had. And he's wondering, dear God in heaven, how is that ever going to happen? Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But sunsets will happen. And they did happen. And Joseph was remembered. And he did get promoted from prisoner to commander. He was second to the king in charge of the food. In charge of what? Preparation for the drought that was going to come. And he did a good job. And he did what? He had food not only for all of Egypt, but he had food for Bubby and Daddy and all of their family. How about Paul, Peter, John? Their lives were not, they, their lives were not even as easy as our lives are. You see, I look at that and I think, you know what? Prophet and I do not have to ride on a donkey from town to town to town to town to town. No, we can sit in our centrally air-conditioned home or heated home and we can fire up the computer and the telephone and we can broadcast globally right there from our office. And we, we can minister. Can you imagine what Paul and Peter would have thought of that? They would have, they'd look at us and go, man, you guys have it easy. But you know what? We're all human, aren't we? We all get to murmuring and grumbling. But remember, storms will come, but sunsets happen. Walk out in faith. Hang on to your God. Don't, don't be slothful and stay true to your God because he is there for you. We are Ephraimites. We are God's chosen. He will be there for us. Hey, thank you again so much. That's Donna Deckard, Mount Carmel, Illinois, Cradle of Hope Ministries. Again, you can get more information out at the website, www.jewishprophet.com. Get out there, do yourself a favor, find out what's going on here, and you won't be disappointed. So, again, you can also get more. Uh, all the tape series is out there on the website for you to get a hold of. I greatly encourage you to get all that. You can also email your prayer request to cradle at jewishprophet.com, and we'll be praying for your prayer request. Again, that's cradle at jewishprophet.com. Shalom. Remember. With God, all things are possible. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.